Betty LA episode 8. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Lewart, on this fine Sunday afternoon recording about noon on August 11th. It is mid-August, Chris. You know what that means. It is officially fantasy football drafting season. I know a lot of people probably had drafts this weekend. I have my biggest league next weekend. I'll be uh, in the desert in Scottsdale, Arizona. So we're going to bring you guys a very special treat today. We're going to talk about fantasy football through the lens of the two LA teams, the Rams and the Chargers. We're going to dive deep into both these teams. We're going to talk about the larger picture in general of fantasy football this year as well. Kind of give some anecdotes for what we expect in the season. But can you smell it, Chris? Fantasy football season is upon us. That means props. That means season-long drafts. That means best ball. That means survivor. That means guillotine. Are you excited? Yeah, we're looking at about 20 weeks of Christmas here. Uh, we've got fantasy. We've got betting. We've got football. We've got weather changing. Well, not weather changing for us, but weather changing for the rest of the country. Um, it is the best time of the year for anyone who is sports and gambling inclined. There's just going to be so much action, especially once you get later into the season. You got football uh, basically six days a week. I mean, Tuesday's yep. really the day. Once you get, get that action going on Wednesday. So uh, this should be a lot of fun. Let's just uh, get the administrative stuff out of the way. Again, this is Believe in Betting LA. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell, joined by Chris Lewart of Stag Capital. You can follow us on Twitter at smaxwell 713 at Rock for Chris, and at StagCap, that's S-T-A-G, CAP for the boys from Stat Capital. This is Believe Podcast, and you can find all the good podcasts at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-B.com, and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, you can find this podcast and all the other great podcasts from the Believe Podcast Network wherever you choose to get your podcast from. That includes, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. All right, so let's move the caboose forward here, Chris. Uh, like I said, we've got draft season coming up here, and so we're going to talk about them uh, through the lens of these two L.A. teams, both of which have Super Bowl aspirations. The Rams, of course, coming off of that Super Bowl loss, they were tremendous offensively through most of last season, and this is the third year under boy genius head coach Sean McVay. The Chargers, they made it to the divisional round. They lost in the road in New England, a very difficult loss in that final game. There's all kinds of interesting wrinkles for both these teams, including the holdout of Melvin Gordon, the health of Todd Gurley's knee. Let's start. Let's talk about the Rams here, Chris. They were a tremendous offensive team last year. Uh, you had three fantasy-worthy starting receivers. Cooper Cup, before he got injured, of course, Brandon Cooks. All he does is get 1,000 yards and seven or eight touchdowns every single year. He's played with some great quarterbacks, of course. Robert Woods had another breakout season. Uh, you got running backs galore here. The offensive line's a little bit reshuffled. What are your general takeaways from this Rams offense? Do you want a piece of it? And if so, how do you want a piece of it? Yeah, I'm definitely going to end up with with a few a few Rams guys. Uh, I think on the upside, the wide receivers are so tight. I think they're all just kind of grouped together. Um, it's going to depend on where you look, where people are going to rank them, and who they think is going to be better. Although I had seen somewhere that when Cooks, Woods, and Cup all started together, all things being equal, Woods was the guy who got the most targets. Um, so that might be, if I had to just pick one wide receiver to own, I would probably take Woods. And this is coming from a guy who owned Cooper Cup and was dominating my league when I owned him. Um, I think they're all going to be solid. I think they're all guys that you should you should take and target. Um, just make sure you're getting, you're not reaching for any of them, right? I don't think any of these guys are going to be game breakers necessarily. So you don't want to jump and take them too early. But as you do your rankings, as your draft goes on, if they're in that sweet spot where you've got them targeted, I would feel happy getting any one of them uh, with an eye towards Woods. 
I think it's the, the important distinction is, is what kind of receiver do you want? Now, to back to your point here, and this is the season total, so I don't know exactly, you know, through the three, uh, w- with Cooper Cup healthy, the point you were trying to make there. But Brandon Cooks had 110 targets. Uh, Bobby Woods had 127 targets last year. They finished with 86 and 80 catches, respectively, 1219 yards for Woods, 1204 for Cooks. So very, very similar end-of-year numbers. They both are targeted downfield. They both pick up some rushing attempts as well. Both of them uh, last year added some points on the ground. Um, and so it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for a high upside, low floor player in Brandon Cooks that can win you a week, that could also put up three catches for 27 yards? Or are you looking for the consistency of Bobby Woods that's not necessarily going to have those explosive games as often, but is going to provide that high floor that you look for in that wide receiver too? I think both are tremendous picks in the fourth round. I think Brandon Cooks is a great second receiver. Now, if you're going with a running back heavy approach, and this is going to be your first receiver, I would not want the volatility of Brandon Cooks. I'm going to take Robert Woods in the fourth round. He's going to be a sturdy, steady wide receiver. He's going to give you some wide receiver one weeks, but he's not going to drop down past that wide receiver three range very often. So that's why I'm going to take Robert Woods first here. Uh, And Cooper Cup, the one we haven't mentioned yet, he obviously went out with that torn ACL. A tremendous recovery story, nine months removed from torn ACL surgery. He's back on the field. He's practicing. We thought he would probably start at least training camp on the PUP list. Uh, He's nowhere to be seen in the pup. He's practicing. He's playing. Uh, I don't believe he got in any action. None of the Rams hit really for that first game. None of these guys will for any of these games. Sean McVay doesn't uh, really play anyone in the preseason. Bet against the Rams, obviously, in the preseason, not in the regular season. Uh, But Cooper Cup right now is going in the mid-fifth round. He is also a stellar value. I think that's a perfect wide receiver two complement to an alpha male uh, that you take in the first or second round. Just because that's the guy they like to look for. Uh, in the red zone, believe it or not. I mean, he's, he's a big slot. And he's a great player. So all three of these guys are going to be fantasy starters. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for, how you want to complement your team. I'm targeting Robert Woods like crazy. I have a very high market portfolio for him, um, but it just kind of depends. And, and look, Brandon Cooks is a great player. I'm not going to talk you out of taking him. It just depends on how you want to construct that roster. Um, so you, you also think you, you would shade towards Robert Woods as well, correct? Yeah, I'm a Woods man, and I think you're right. It, it's going to depend a little bit on how your roster is shaping up because Brandon Cooks is the, more of that feast or famine guy. Now, if you're starting him week in and week out, right, it's going to even out. You're going to get that, you know, that, that 300 points or whatever it is across the season. Like, he's going to get you those points overall. But if it's shaping up like you got a couple of those guys already, you got those feast or famine guys, you're going to want a guy like Cup or Woods, like just like you said, who doesn't have that kind of might put up a one point or a two point game because he's only getting three targets. Those guys are going to see him. They're going to get solid numbers, even if they don't blow up like Cooks. Cooks will inevitably have right like a, a six catch. 200 yard two touchdown day and he's going to absolutely explode woods and cups probably won't get those um but yeah i would target woods overall but see how your see how your roster uh shapes up but any one of the three of those guys i'll be super happy to get so long as i'm not reaching for him i'll be really happy all three of these receivers are ranked in the top 22 at wide receiver according to jeff ratcliffe's rankings at pro football focus in his fantasy playbook uh and, and pretty much across the industry all three of these guys are top 25. So it really, you know, it's, it's, it's spectacular. And the Rams run more wide receiver three sets than any other team in football last year. So they're going to be on the field, all three of them, 
most offensive series, most offensive plays. Um, let's go down the depth chart here. Josh Reynolds last year became fantasy relevant after Cooper Cup went out. I'm not a huge Josh Reynolds fan. I don't think he took really true advantage of the opportunities that he had last year. Uh, but but do you target him in, in, a, in a deep best ball league format, a dynasty-like format? What's your opinions on the rest of these Rams receiving options? Yeah, Reynolds was actually a guy I picked him up immediately after a cup went down. Uh, and he had, you know, there was like one or two or three games where he was decent, but I watched enough Rams football where he became infuriating as well, where he was open. He just wasn't, he wasn't locking in on the ball. He wasn't bringing it down. Those kind of 50 fifties where you got to get it, where you got to bring it down. He was not doing a great job. Um, yeah, he's a late kind of lockup guy, you know, of cooks, woods and cup is one of them going to go down for a few games, probably. Uh, and then you want a guy like Reynolds to come in because he will get the snaps, right? They'll trot him right out there since he got so much playing time last year. But am I in love with anybody in the skill positions? Not really. Not, not outside of those three guys. Um, you know, as we kind of shift talk, talk about running backs a little bit, John Kelly was, I felt like the toast of the town. It's like sleeper of the year last year. Everybody, oh, John Kelly, you know, they're girly. They're not going to give him this workload. They gave him this huge contract or or, you know, he's got the bulky knee, he's going to be out or something like that. I don't, I don't know that John Kelly, uh, you know, got more than 50 snaps all year. Um, yeah, he was perceived to be the handcuff. And, and sometimes yeah. I wonder if, if, if that's kind of anointed upon him because he went to Tennessee. He's a small, shifty, perceivably high upside kind of pass catching back out of Tennessee right on the heels of Alvin Kamara's uh, breakout season the year before. So sometimes I feel like it's a little bit unfair. But, but yes, a lot of people thought, you know, if Gurley went down, that's going to be the man. When Malcolm Brown went down, then we're going to get to see some John Kelly. Both things kind of happened last year. We didn't see John Kelly at all, aside from nope. J. Anderson off the street, as everyone knows. Um, and, and, you know, John Kelly's potentially even fighting for a roster spot uh, with, you know, Daryl Henderson being added. He didn't look uh, incredible, I wouldn't say, in the Rams' first preseason game. But you can see the athleticism. You can see the speed of Henderson. Uh, he's going anywhere from the seventh to about the ninth round. Uh, his stock has been all over the place this offseason before the draft. You can get him deep into the teens. No one was talking about him. He didn't, uh, he wasn't perceived as being these, one of these slam dunk rookie running backs. Then he was drafted. People started freaking out about that. I saw him go into his <laughs> fifth, the sixth round. Now he's kind of settled, like I said, in that seven to nine range. I think he's going to see some PPR uh, value because he's going to catch a lot of balls. I don't think they're going to use Gurley as much as a pass catcher. That's not the strength of Malcolm Brown necessarily either. So I do think Henderson has a role, which makes him fantasy relevant, even without an injury uh, but this is a very interesting Rams backfield what do you do with all three of these guys I mean who is the handcuff is Gurley going to see the workload can you afford to start Gurley on a week-to-week basis if they're going to arrest him uh, without any forewarning how are you attacking this Rams backfield first let's answer this where are you drafting Todd Gurley right now he's going anywhere from the late first to the late second the volatility is very high in him when do you feel comfortable pulling the trigger yeah, I wouldn't want a late first round Todd Gurley. I probably wouldn't even want an early second round Todd Gurley. Uh, so let, let's say let's say this: you're on the clock. The yep. decision is Dalvin Cook versus Todd Gurley. You're taking Dalvin. I'm taking Dalvin Cook. For, uh, okay, what about, for what about sure. Joe Mixon versus Gurley? Who are you taking there? Joe Mixon. I'm probably taking Gurley. Okay, but that's what close. That, that's a good question. Those are the three kind of in that range that you have to debate Gurley over. Yeah, I would take James Conner over Gurley. Uh, I would not slotting Gurley in probably RD eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that range, mid to late second round. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just I can't, you know, I can't imagine that they're going to do the same thing over again with him, right? Like he wasn't there when they needed him most. He was he was injured. Was that too many carries? I don't know. Um, 
it seems like Henderson is one of those guys that I want to target. I always have a list of like six or seven guys that I'm going to take in those last few rounds. I'm one of those people who doesn't even draft. Oftentimes will not draft a kicker or a defense. I'll just load up on backups, wait for the first week in the season, and then I pick up somebody on waivers because I want to see how injuries play out. I want to see what happens in the rest of the preseason. I want to see where those guys fall, and do I end up with kind of a diamond in the rough when I do that. I just To pay up to kind of get girly where you're going to have to pay to get them is just – it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous with the injury. It makes me nervous that nobody on the Rams said anything. It's it's like it never happened, even though the best player on the team didn't didn't play in the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl. I mean, C.J. Anderson looked like he was a donut away from from blowing up his pads. Uh, it just boggles my mind. A guy that's getting what forty million dollars guaranteed. Um, they got to use him, right? But you know, player the player empowerment era. Uh, is Gurley angry at the training staff? Is he angry at ownership? Did he say he was hurt, but they told him to play? Like, all of these unknowns, that's the stuff. I like minimizing my risk in drafts, and Gurley is just too risky for me right now. He is, without question, a very risky pick in the first or the second round. He's not sliding any further than that. However, the upside is tremendous. Very rarely could you get potentially the number one player in fantasy football that late in a draft. Listen to his fantasy finishes Last year, 6 2 2 10 2 2 2 2 9 12 21 by week 2 34 1. Okay, yeah. so really only one unusable week in that entire season. I mean, the man had 21 touchdowns last season, he had almost 2,000 yards. You can afford to dial it back about 25%, which is what I think the Rams will do this year, and he still will be a top two, top three option if his knee holds up. My concern is basically what happened to Leonard Fournette in that last year, where Sunday morning, you know, you're hearing these breaking news that, okay, Gurley's not going to play today, or Gurley may not get the full allotment of carries today. He may not get the volume on the goal line today. And if the Rams choose to do that, that's certainly all you know up to them. That's something that they have the power of doing. That's something that I think actually I would encourage uh, if you're a Rams fan, because that'll keep Gurley fresh. Uh, but you're just going to not really know. You're not going to have confidence going week to week with Todd Gurley. That's the only thing I really fear. Uh, but if you're going with the contrarian approach and you take an alpha male wide receiver in the first round or you take another stud running back in the first round, if you can get a James Conner or a Dalvin Cook and Todd Gurley, then you're looking at potentially having you know two top five running backs uh, without having to invest that you know w- with getting one of those in, in the mid to late second round. So there's a couple different ways of looking at Gurley. I still think he's a really solid pick in that second round, potentially even in the late first. Let's look at all these running backs. There's really not that many running backs with no issues at all. You look at Saquon Barkley, there's a lot of issues with him. Number one being the regression of those 20-plus yard rushes, which he had the most of in the NFL last year. If you take away those rushes, he actually finished dead last in yards per attempt without those big rushes. Those are going to regress. The offense isn't very good. You potentially have a rookie starter coming in midseason. That's going to hamper the offense. He's not without any issues, okay? Then he moved into Christian McCaffrey. Can he play every single snap on offense again this that year like he did last year? Of course, that offense isn't tremendous either. It's more riddled the pack, um, and, and there's some concerns there. Okay, then you look at Zeke. Obviously, there's concerns there as well. The holdout, how long is that going to last? He's going to be in shape when he comes back from the holdout. Plenty of concerns. Alvin Kamara, I don't think there's any real concerns there. The only real concern is not as much volume. Um, you go down the list, there are concerns with every single running back. David Johnson had a disappointing season last year. Is he going to be able to get as many carries as, as they're talking about in Arizona? Le'Veon Bell missed a whole season 
last year. Is he going to be fresh? He's going to a bad offense with a bad offensive line that plays the fewest amount of plays in the league under Adam Gase. James Conner was a breakout character last year. Is he going to have the volume? Joe Mixon has a bad offense. Then you finally get to Gurley. What my point is, he's not as unsafe as you probably think he is because all of these running backs have some volatility, have some risk built into it. So I think Todd Gurley is a slam dunk value pick in the second round. It's something that I would think you guys at Stag Capital would be encouraging people to get on, and especially these props as well. If you can find uh, you know, some, some great costs for him to lead the league in rushing touchdowns, rushing yards, all-purpose yards, he could do that. He did that last year. All it takes is him being healthy and feeling fresh. And I think we're going to see more of those games than we think otherwise than some of these other backs. Yeah, and that's and you're right. That is a stag cap thing to do. So uh, the ADP I'm seeing for Gurley is basically 18, and that's the sort of thing where I don't like him at 16. I don't like him at 17. I don't really like him at 18. I like it a little more. 19 at 20, I love him. Right at 20, I'm all over him. So ultimately, that's I think that's kind of how you have to do it. And you're right. You know, Gurley's one of those guys that if he is, you know, 85 or just 90 percent of what he was last year, you're going to have a top three running back, no problem. Uh, he very might well win your your league, and that's you know that's that's the really the fun part about this. What those unknowns do is what strategy do you employ? How long do you wait? How early do you jump on? Um, is is really kind of what what makes it so much fun. Gurley will be a very interesting case, uh, and, and if you're in an LA based you know home redraft league, he's probably going to go a lot earlier than you would normally expect to. But if you're in a league with people across the country or leagues with people that you don't necessarily know. I think Gurley's a, a great guy to target uh, in that mid to late second round. Now, let's move on. Let's talk. We, talked, we kind of briefly talked about Henderson, um, but I want to talk about what happens if Gurley does, in fact, miss any time or if he does go down. Uh, we talked about John Kelly. He, he may lose his roster spot. They matched the offer sheet for Malcolm Brown. I think he is a real sneaky double-digit sleeper right now because if Gurley were to miss time, I really do think it is Malcolm Brown that's going to be the beneficiary uh, over Henderson. I don't think Henderson's role is going to change much uh, unless there are multiple injuries. Uh, they, you know, look, Malcolm Brown went down last year before Gurley. So I, we don't know what would have happened. Maybe they never would have signed C.J. Anderson and Malcolm Brown uh, would have been that guy in the playoffs. Malcolm Brown's a talented player. He's a steady player. He's dependable. He can pick up blitzes. He knows what to do. Uh, I think that he is a steal in the 15th, 16th round right now. Just put him on your bench throughout the rest of the training camp. See what happens in the Rams opener at Carolina. Maybe Malcolm Brown goes out there and gets 10 to 12 touches. You keep him. If he only sees two or three touches or zero, you cut him. Henderson right now is very cost prohibitive to me in the 7th and 9th round. Henderson is a three-dart throw at the end of drafts. That's who I'm targeting in this Rams backfield beyond just Gurley. Your, thought, your thoughts on, on, on Brown versus Henderson, if you have yeah, I'm probably, you know, I think I think you're right. Like, if people are taking Daryl Henderson in the ninth round, I think that's insanity. Um, he's a sexy pick, you know? Yeah. He, he, they're talking him up as the next Camaro. They traded up to get him. He's fast. Um, ninth round would be would be value, actually. He's going in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Yeah, that well, that's, I, I think that's completely, completely insane. But, or it's not, right? Or Gurley is, like, walking on crutches and we're not seeing it, and it's going to be the Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson show, and, you know, Brown's going to be the first and second quarter guy, and then Daryl Henderson's going to get all those dump-off passes um, and be the, you know, be the beneficiary of a, of a Gurley who's not really going to be playing full speed uh, the whole time. But I wouldn't, you know, I think it's it's a safe pick to to stash a guy like Malcolm. If I have Todd Gurley, I want to pick up Malcolm Brown versus Daryl Henderson. But Daryl Henderson's the guy that I want to get late if I can, right? I'm sure as heck not taking him six, seven, or eight. Um, maybe nine. I started looking at him. I still think that's a little too early too. But if you can have him and just kind of keep him and see what happens, I think everybody wants Alvin Kamara on their team. I don't think everybody is Alvin Kamara. I think uh, the Saints got you know 
kudos to their scouting department. But I think Alvin Kamara is genuinely an, an amazing talent more than just kind of like, oh, look, this is a quick guy who can who can do all these things. What's Malcolm funny Brown is that is the Cowboys are saying they have an ex Alvin Kamara uh, in Tony Pollard. The Rams are saying they have the next Alvin yeah. Kamara in Daryl Henderson. They were both teammates at Memphis last year. If, you know, if Memphis really had two future Alvin Kamaras on their team, they should have done a little bit better. They had a yep. tremendous offense, but uh, I, I digress. So um, we talked about the receivers. We talked about the running backs. We've established this Rams offense is absolute dynamite. Why aren't people talking then? about Jared Goff as a surefire QB1. He seems to be falling in drafts. You can get him consistently uh, on the 11th, the 12th, the 13th. He's going about the QB12 right now. I think he finished as QB6 last year, had a rough end to the season. But what are your thoughts about Jared Goff? Is that someone you're targeting? You know, look, if we like Brandon Cooks, if we like Woods, if we like Gurley to catch balls out of the backfield, if we like Cooper Cup, you have to also like the quarterback, right? Yeah, you would you would think. Uh, it's a very a very solid offense with a really good play-calling coach. Uh, who's offensive-minded, and a defense that isn't too shabby, right? Uh, they have the best defensive player in the league in, in Aaron Donald. So that's a team that should be getting stops and getting the ball back to their quarterback. You know, I just, I don't know. I, it, maybe people just aren't impressed. Maybe it was the girly thing last year that he was carrying so much of the weight. But I think you're going to see some high yardage numbers uh, from Goff this year because I think there's going to be a lot of short passing, a lot of dump-offs, uh, a lot of underneath stuff. Uh, if you're in any kind of league that rewards – um, completed passes um, or or yards totals. I've seen things with bonuses, like if your quarterback goes over 300 yards, you get like a five-point or a 10-point bonus, things like that. If you're in a league like that, Goff is a guy that I would really like. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily going to light the world on fire with touchdowns, but I think he's going to go for big yardage because just up and down his offense, he's got above average, solid, bordering on great players around him um, that should be able to make plays and, and extend those yards after catch. He had 32 touchdowns a season ago. He had 28 the year before that. He's increased his attempts year over year. I think this will be the fourth straight year that he does that. I don't think this Rams team is going to be as dominant as we saw in the past. I do think the Rams are going to be in a lot more shootouts in the second half where they're still relevant. They're not just milking the clock. I think those those attempts are going to come up for Jared Goff. Uh, and it's worth noting that it was kind of a tale of two halves last year, and it seemed to be that Goff was the most affected uh, by Cooper Cup's injury. That's his safety valve. That's uh, I think that really kind of helps him. Uh, through the first 11 weeks of the season last year, only Patrick Mahomes, believe it or not, the only quarterback to have more fantasy points than Jared Goff through the first 11 weeks. And then after those, from, you know, from weeks 13 to 16 after their week 12 bye, uh, he was 24th amongst quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, that game against Chicago was really uh, what's bringing down that average. So which Jared Goff are we going to see? I think that's important to note. Um, I also think it, it's helpful that, you know, I think ultimately Jared Goff is, is kind of on that back-end streamer position for the quarterback where you're not going to start him every single week if they go on the road against Chicago this year, which they're not. They play him at home. But in a game like that, you're probably not going to start him. You can kind of telegraph when these high-scoring games are going to be. You know, the at-home against Arizona game, the, the at-Arizona game, those are going to be games you're going to start Jared Goff. So there's going to be some, some known volatility, I think, where you can prepare for that. But Jared Goff, is going to be a guy you're going to have to hold on to all season if you do want to keep him. Uh, I really like him as a, as a as a late quarterback guy myself. I'm going to take him uh, with confidence in this 11th, 12th, 13th round just because the floor is just so high week to week. Uh, yep. His volatility, uh, while it is high, look, every quarterback is going to be mostly volatile as well. He's a good value. Uh, let's move on. Let's very quickly, let's round it out. Let's talk about the Rams tight ends, and then let's talk about the defense as well. Gerald Everett is a guy I've been taking as my third tight end late in best ball 
draft. The Rams have talked about using two tight end sets a little bit more this year. That's what they should have done in the Super Bowl, according to uh, analytics guru Warren Sharp, which they did not. Uh, but Gerald Everett, a third-year tight end out of South Alabama. Uh, let's not forget, Sean McVay was actually the tight ends coach at Washington. He found and he coached up Jordan Reed. Gerald Everett was drafted to be the next Jordan Reed. I think if we see more snaps and more routes run out of Gerald Everett, he could be a usable tight end in spurts this season. Uh, so keep that in mind, you know, mostly for redraft purposes, he's not going to be drafted. But uh, as a spot starter, as a DFS guy, uh, and certainly in best ball, I really like Jared Everett. Of course, you have Tyler Higby there as well. Uh, any thoughts about either of these tight ends before we talk about the defense? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably not going to own any tight end shares on the on the Rams, but keep an eye on what's happening with the receivers. If somebody gets a, gets an ankle, somebody gets turf toe, if somebody misses a couple weeks, uh, McVay, I think, is sharp enough to turn those guys loose, and that's your kind of plug-and-play where you pop in a Gerald Everett, especially daily fantasy, just like you said. Like, if there's a, an opportunity to get one of the ghost, ghost guys in there because somebody's missing time, on the offense uh, could have a monster day, but overall, yeah, I don't think they're going to get drafted. I don't think the guys are going to really want to own. Just keep an eye on them for kind of a, a plug and play opportunity. If there's injuries in the offense, keep in the back of your mind, guys like Josh Reynolds, guys like Malcolm Brown, guys like Gerald Everett. Uh, there are injuries that happen. There are things that ha- go up and down in the NFL season. And the, the, the players that in the end of the season, look back and win championships are the ones that happen to know these players, even if they're nope. not relevant for the entire season, except for a couple weeks. All right, let's round it off here with the Rams defense. They should be one of the top units again for fantasy purposes. Um, they were, I think, believe a top five unit last year. Wade Phillips consistently cranks out year after year fantasy relevant defenses. Um, but this year, I, I'm not necessarily in love with this Rams team. They're, they're being taken as a top two, top three defense, and I don't know if they're going to uh, necessarily be able to back that up. Um, this off or this uh, this division has gotten better offensively, I believe, and I, and I and you know those are six of, of their sixteen games. However, they're still certainly a fantasy fantasy relevant defense, and the only thing that I really look at for fantasy defenses, unless you're going to take one that's elite like the Chicago Bears, it's worth noting that over the last eleven years. The team that finished number one in fantasy defensive scoring has not finished top five the next year at all. So don't reach for the Bears. Don't reach for any team for that matter because the volatility it changes so much. Uh, but that being said, the Rams, you got to look at their first game because you're going to stream the defenses most often than not. They're at Carolina. That is a decent matchup. I'm not saying you can't start them uh, in that scenario, but it's not something I'm going to be rushing to try to pick them up to start for that game. Um, so give me your thoughts on the Rams defense. Where are you drafting them? Uh, and do you like anyone else kind of in that range similarly? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a chronic defensive streamer. I think, in fact, of the three leagues I was in last year, the only one that I didn't stream a defense on was the one that happened to own the Chargers. And um, so I'm, again, you know, I said before, I'm one of those people that doesn't even draft kickers or defenses. I wouldn't reach. I wouldn't even necessarily target the Rams. Um, if they fall to you, if there's one of those teams you can get, Sure. Like I'm, I'm the sheet I'm looking at. They're the fifth ranked defense. And that's, you know, it's probably right. They're probably five, six, seven in there, but I'm not necessarily going to spend the draft pick. I'd rather have a Daryl Henderson, right? I'd rather get a guy like that uh, who I can sit on my bench and hope he breaks out in a skill position. Um, but the Rams defense will be solid. I mean, they're going to be going against, a, I think, an improved division. Um, internally, and I think that that could probably hurt a little bit. You know, we talked about more shootouts uh, that Goff and the Rams might be involved in, but I do think the Rams are going to be, you know, if you get sacks, if you get bonuses for sacks, uh, Aaron Donald creates so much havoc that there should be a lot of sacks coming out of the Rams defense. But, you know, they'll be good. You know, get them with confidence if you get them when it's good value. But don't, by all means, don't reach for them. You, you said it, uh, Max. Uh, Max, sorry, Sam. You said it. It's all good. Uh, it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, Sam Maxwell, Max Samwell. Um, 
you said it. Don't, well. don't, don't reach, don't reach for any of those defenses um, because you could, you'll get better value getting another skill position player in a handcuff type guy in those positions. Um, but the Rams will be, they will be good. You can feel good about starting them if you get them. All right. Well, that just about sums up the Rams. I think we're both on the same page with a lot of our takes here. We like Jared Goff as a high floor, uh, late QB to take in those in those double digit rounds. I think we're both uh, weary but confident at the same time. And Todd Gurley, I'm willing to take him in the mid uh, second round, even early second round. It sounds like you're a little bit uh, more gun shy in him. We both agree that Bobby Woods is the best receiver to own uh, for redraft purposes. But obviously, Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup will have their days. And I think we both like Malcolm Brown as the handcuff to Todd Gurley and as a deep sleeper just to kind of see what happens early on with Todd Gurley's knee. So let's move on. Let's talk about Los Angeles' other NFL team. That's, of course, the Los Angeles Chargers dealing with a major holdout on the offensive side of the ball right now in Melvin Gordon. That's certainly clouding how we see this team from a fantasy perspective. Let's start right there in the backfield. Where are you confident in taking Melvin Gordon? You said you're risk-averse, but this is a really unique opportunity and situation here. Before last year, we would have never said that anyone would miss game checks. You, you know, you saw me with Eric Dickerson or Emmett Smith. Olivia and Bell missed a couple games uh, in previous years, but uh, we've never seen someone sit out the whole year. I don't think we're going to see that with Melvin Gordon. I've been very consistent about that. Uh, and you can get a top five running back now in the third, the fourth round. Uh, I've seen him going all over the place. You still see him going in the second round sometimes. Where are you pulling the trigger here with Melvin Gordon? So I'm seeing his ADP is about 21 and a half. You know, I, I think the more I've thought about it, and this is, you know, it's shots in the dark, right? Nobody really knows, but I could see him kind of being a, uh, Guy plays hard, right? He plays so damn hard. Um, shelf life is short on guys that play like that. Does he want to do the kind of sit out the first two, three, four weeks and just save himself those miles? I think the, what is it to get that year of service? You have to come by it by like week six or something like that. I think Gordon might be a guy who does that. He might be happy with the contract they've given him, but he's going to say, you know what? I'm just going to save my body those first three or four games. Um, team is good enough to, to make it kind of on without me. Or if they're not, right, I come back and we win and we, I look like a hero. Uh, but he's the sort of guy, you know, 21 and a half is an average ADP, I think is probably a little high just because I don't think you're going to get him for a full season. I think he's going to sit out a few games. There's probably going to be an ankle or a knee game that he's going to miss. Um, so I like him a lot. I own Melvin Gordon, I think, in two leagues last year, and he was awesome. Uh, watching him play is a treat because he just he runs so damn hard. Uh, and play so well. Uh, touchdown guy, you know, catch it out of the backfield. He, he really can do it all. He's, he's a super talented guy. Um, you just can't, you know, if you're just not going to get a guy for a full season like that, right, you're going to love him when he's in there. But those four or five games where he's not playing is really going to hurt. So, you know, uh, don't reach too much on a guy like that because he's not going to be around the full season. We don't know that he won't be around the full season, though. He could sign tomorrow, <laughs> for all we know. You know, we, we really don't. And that's the thing. I would urge caution in, in getting too low on Melvin Gordon. But I think you take him as a value in the third round if he's there 100%. Uh, you know, like I documented with these other running backs, no one really is, this year is a surefire pick, especially as you get in the second, that third round. I mean, you're drafting him around guys like Josh Jacobs, never handled a workload in college. Aaron Jones, he's had his own injury history. I like Aaron Jones a lot, but there's some worries there. Uh, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram. I mean, these are guys that you're drafting around the third and fourth round. I think, you know, you could literally get a top five running back that late in the draft. It's kind of the same mindset as with Todd Gurley, but I'm actually more worried about Gurley than I am about Gordon. You know, if he happens to miss a couple of games but comes back and plays those 13, 14 games, that's the same as he usually does anyway. This guy is involved in all three levels of the game. Uh, and so I really like Melvin Gordon. Again, taking that contrarian high upside play. We play fantasy football to win the game. 
We don't we don't <laughs> we don't play to, to to go you know seven and six or anything like that. You want to make the playoffs, and when you do make the playoffs, you want to win your money leagues. So Melvin Gordon's a guy that can help you do that. I think you take swings for the fences, and that's Melvin Gordon. However, on the other side, I think you also have to prepare as if he's not going to play for quite a long time, which is why I also have been reaching on guys like Austin Eckler and, more importantly, Justin Jackson. These guys are huge beneficiaries if Melvin Gordon is out, specifically Justin Jackson. A lot of buzz about Austin Eckler. His efficiency has been high. Uh, they, they started him as a running back a couple games last year, and you saw that he was not the same guy uh, in those games when he was the main guy as opposed to the compliment, which is why I really think that Justin Jackson, in about the 10th or 11th round, especially in the standard league, is an amazing value. He was a great back in Northwestern. The only reason he fell in the draft is because he had so many touches in all four years starting uh, for the Wildcats. I think Justin Jackson is a slam dunk. RB3 for the first month or so of the season while Melvin Gordon is out. You can get him in the 10th or 11th round. Austin Eckler is going about the 6th round. I don't think that's necessarily as good of a pick. Give me your thoughts on the rest of this Chargers backfield. Yeah, you and I are in lockstep on that. I am a big Justin Jackson guy. Uh, I think he's a better talent. I think he's a better fantasy player uh, than Eckler. I think it was was it like two years ago. Um, I remember Eckler coming in. I think I want to say Jackson or not Jackson, but uh, Melvin Gordon went out in like the first quarter or something like that. Uh, and Eckler came in and had like a, you know, like a 26 carry 200 yard and a touchdown game. And like, oh, my God, Austin Eckler guy looks amazing and was just completely whacked the next game. Just didn't have the energy to bounce back, looked tired, looked slow. You know, he's one of those guys that if you give him six, seven, eight touches, he looks amazing. Once you get north of that, he just he just doesn't have the gas to do it. Uh, if I'm going to own another running back in the Charger backfield, it's going to be Justin Jackson. I think he's got the upside. I think he's got more talent. Uh, I think he's a guy that, let's just say Melvin Gordon was out for the whole season. I think it's uh, Justin Jackson's the guy who, like, week four, week five, completely dominates the backfield because he's the talent. I think he's an RB2 this, you know, while Melvin Gordon is out. And, you know, let's let's take a step back here. If you're a full PPR league, Austin Eckler becomes a much more valuable player, obviously. He had yep. 47 targets last year, 39 catches, and he is going to be used out of the backfield a lot. He's going to be a part of this team with or without Melvin Gordon. You can't say that with Justin Jackson. So there's definitely more risk involved with Justin Jackson. Eckler could be a fancy usable player um, no matter what happens, how this shakes out. But right now, Austin Eckler going to sixth or seventh round. I'm taking Justin Jackson that 10th, 11th round, like I said. And, and you know, you have a very useful asset um, while he's out. What I've been liking to do in best ball or any other drafts, if you can take somebody like, like a Zeke and then pair him with Justin Jackson or even just taking both Gordon and Jackson, you're guaranteeing yourself, you know, a high-end starter in the beginning of the season with someone that's going to come on a little bit later. That's what I've been liking to do. Uh, and, and that's the strategy I'd like to, to share with everybody is, is find guys who are going to be good in the beginning of the season that you know are going to be good in the beginning of the season and pair them with some high upside guys that you think maybe won't break out to the second half of the year. That's something I've been and doing quite a bit of. Um, now let's move on. Let's talk about the receiving core with the Chargers and Keaton Allen's been a stud year after year after year. I think he might be a beneficiary with Melvin Gordon out as well. He's going to catch a lot of shorter passes. The target volume is immense there. Tyrell Williams is gone. Does that open up the door for Mike Williams, who had a you know tremendous season last year? The efficiency, the touchdown rate were through the roof. I think there's some regression coming there. Keaton Allen's going about the early third right now. Mike Williams is a weird guy in the fifth to seventh there. Uh, give me your thoughts about the, the entirety of this Chargers receiving course. Yeah, Keenan Allen going to be really solid, and as we've said, or I've said before, I'm really high on Phil Rivers this year. I think he's going to chuck the the living crap out of the ball. Uh, so Keenan Allen is a guy that I would have no problem kind of being my number one wide receiver. 
Uh, Mike Williams, if you are in a league with maybe some people that are Midwest or East Coast focused, I think Mike Williams is a guy that can slide under the radar. Uh, I don't think he's going to be dominant, but I think he's one of those guys that people are going to look up and in their week and they're like, how am I losing? Who? Mike Williams. Like, how does Mike Williams have 24 points today? What is going on? Who is Mike Williams? Right. I think he's one of those guys that if you can get is like your third wide receiver. Uh, you're going to feel really good about because I think he's going to have some monster games. I think he's going to be one of those guys that catches three touchdowns, uh, multiple touchdown games, and you're going to look up and you're going to win all things being equal. You're going to be like, wow, Mike Williams having a monster day today helped me. So Mike Williams is a guy I'm high on. You know, Don't reach for him, but a guy I'm very high on. The problem with Mike Williams is this: the the volatility is going to be through the roof of him. And sometimes (laughs) sometimes you can't, you you just don't know where it comes. Last year, he finished seventh in week three. He finished second in week 15. The following weeks for both those, in week four, he was 100th overall the position. In week 16, the championship week, he was 99th. He also finished with a 132 finish in week 10. So the ups and downs are through the roof for him. I think people are expecting to take that natural progression to kind of uh, uh, fall into where that kind of the vacuum of targets that Tyrell Williams left. Um, but let's remind people that Hunter Henry was not healthy last year. He did not play. All you had there at tight end was a, a very old, aging Antonio Gates. I think Hunter Henry's going to come back and take away a lot of those that we thought might go to Mike Williams. The volatility is extreme there. I'm just not sure you can afford it with your wide receiver two or wide receiver three. So that's someone that I've been fading or at least uh, I'm not comfortable taking with where he's going right now in the fifth to sixth round I do have a deep sleeper name and that's Travis Benjamin everyone's forgotten about Travis Benjamin he is a fun receiver he's a fast receiver he's a perfect best ball target because he's going to have you know three or four of those 50 plus yard touchdowns he is the Deshaun Jackson of this team I think that is a stellar wide receiver five or six later in drafts last round kind of dart throw through team uh you, you like Philip Rivers to, to chuck the ball uh, he is one of the best at, at tracking down those those balls. He's a great returner, and that kind of equates sometimes to big plays. I think that's a really, really great deep value pick there. Um, what are your thoughts on, on on Travis Benjamin? And kind of let, let's transition this into Hunter Henry and, and kind of where you drafted him as well. Yeah, uh, I don't know that Hunter Henry has ever been has ever been healthy. Um, I feel like the guy has been has he been in the league like three or four years, and uh, I think he's been injured. Going to be his fourth year, yeah. Yeah, his fourth year, and I think he's been injured for two and a half years. Um, but he's a guy I love, right? Like if I if I felt confident in getting Hunter Henry as my tight end, I'd be super jazzed about it. I think he's great. Is he going to get hit by a bus tomorrow? Is the is the thing that concerns me? I mean, it's if it happens one year, it doesn't bother me. If you get injured again on a second year, I start to really wonder. Um, but if if he's healthy, yes, I love Hunter Henry a lot. As soon as Hunter Henry goes down, I'm all over Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin because I think they're obviously going to be beneficiaries of that. Um, I think they're going to be really good. And, you know, Mike Williams, that's a guy if you can plug into flex, right? That's where I really love him. I wouldn't start him as my two or my three unless I absolutely had to. Um, but Hunter Henry is one of those guys that I think if you can get him later because the the top, top tight ends, your Kelsey's, your Ertz's are gone, um, I'd feel really good about getting Hunter Henry uh, as a value pick and a guy who will be dominant if he actually can stay on the field for more than one game. Look, for in terms of injuries, you're only injury prone uh, until you're not. I mean, yeah. everyone said that with Mike Williams. He, he could barely see the field this rookie year. Uh, he was injured his second year as well, and then he had a great season last year. So I don't think that a, a, an April or May OTAs torn ACL is an appropriate label to call someone uh, injury prone. Uh, as you mentioned, Hunter Henry 
uh, was incredible the year before that. And he was everyone's favorite breakout candidate last season until he went down with that injury. Uh, he was actually my most owned best ball player at that point in the offseason. So it was especially devastating for me. I love Hunter Henry in that, in kind of that middle tier of tight ends. If you happen to miss out on the top tier, which is obviously Kelsey's probably in his own tier, but then Ertz and Kittle. I think that middle tier is really great. That fourth to sixth round, the O.J. Howard, the Hunter Henrys, the Evan Ingrams of the world. There's some value there. And I think Hunter Henry is probably the safest of all those because we have a quarterback uh, that's been throwing for his tight ends his entire career. You have an offense that can score a lot of touchdowns. You have a place to put him there. Uh, there's not as much competition for targets here as some of those other teams. Um, and, and this is an offense I think you can trust. And that's what I really like is out of my tight ends. It's really just looking for good offenses. Who's the most likely to get eight to 10 touchdowns? And I don't think it's Evan Ingram on the Giants. So Hunter Henry in that fifth, sixth range is a great pick. He's a safe pick. And, you know, this year at tight end, you just, you just don't want to not have one of those top six or seven because then you are truly throwing stuff at the wall and, and seeing what sticks. So yeah. I really like Hunter Henry in the, those middle rounds. But uh, I, I'd be weary of, of, you know, basically when that second tier of tight end starts coming off the board, that's when you'll look for Hunter Henry. Let's move on. Let's talk about Phillip Rivers. I know we both really like him. He's your classic high-floor quarterback. He's going to finish as a QB1 this year on the season totals, almost for sure. He always does it, but he's going to be on the back end there. Quarterback 11, quarterback 12. Uh, in, our, in our episode a couple weeks ago when we talked about season-long bets for both these teams, you really liked potentially Rivers as a uh, as a dark horse for the MVP, as a dark horse for uh, winning the throwing the most passing yards in the league. Uh, I actually went the other way. I think this Chargers team is going to be so dominant. Uh, that Phillip Rivers is going to have a little bit of a disappointing season. The only way I'm drafting Phillip Rivers, Chris, is if I have a very, very high upside quarterback like a Lamar Jackson, like a Mitch Trubisky, like a Josh Allen. If I want that steadying force with those high upside guys, then I'll take the high floor of Rivers. But otherwise, I'd rather take Goff around the same time, or I'd rather go with one of these high upside quarterbacks because I'm not going to keep Phillip Rivers all season very likely like I did a season ago. Uh, he's just going to be a, another one of those streamers that has some really great weeks and has some very forgettable weeks. Uh, Rivers right now, going about the 12th round here, is this a guy you're targeting at all in drafts? Yeah, I think overall, as a strategy, quarterbacks are kind of people I've just laid off of for the past couple of years um, and paid off for me greatly in two leagues. Two of the three leagues I was in last year, I owned Patrick Mahomes in two of them, right? Uh, and I waited on him. I didn't rush out and grab that's, him. I that's didn't. even more of a reason to wait on quarterbacks because it's not yeah, like that happens every year. That's right. And I don't think I don't think there's a quarterback. I mean, even the people that, you know, the, the prognosticators I've been listening to, people are are jumping on Mahomes in the at the end of the second round or in the third round. I think that's crazy. I mean, he was historically amazing last year. It's going to happen uh, in a lot of home leagues. Absolutely. Right. I just would be cautious about like that. And that's why I feel so good at like a, a Philip Rivers, a Cam Newton, a Jameis Winston as a guy you were really high on. Uh, I love Bruce Arians. I would love him coaching Jameis Winston. Um Wait on guys like that. Uh, Jared Goff's another one. Uh, stack up on those wide receivers and running backs and tight ends, backups, you know, high upside guys. Don't get on a quarterback too early. So if you wait until the eighth, ninth, tenth round and you end up with Phillip Rivers, feel like a million bucks because you've got depth at other positions that people don't have. Completely agree. I think the late quarterback strategy is uh, it's never been more easy to accomplish. There's about 19 or 20 quarterbacks right now. Uh, I'd feel completely comfortable with going into that opening week. And, and really, again, I talked about it with defenses, but it's worth saying again for quarterbacks. You're just looking at that first week. That's all you're looking at. You want to stream the quarterback that has the highest upside for that first week or the highest floor, however you want to look at it. Dak Prescott's a guy I've been targeting because he's got a very nice first three weeks. Uh, Baker Mayfield's got a nice matchup as well. Uh, so really just you know, look at those first couple weeks. 
and, and go from there. You know, if you want that consistent start, guys like Goff, guys like Rivers are good. But I usually go for the upside because I want those weak winning type of numbers if I can get it uh, from the quarterback, even if it just hits every once in a while. Um, so let's move on. Let's talk about the Chargers defense. They're being drafted as the third overall defense of this team. Can we finally see a full healthy year of Joey Bosa? We've got Nasser Adderley added to this thing. I mean, th- this Chargers defense, top to bottom, is amazingly talented. They're going to be a team uh, playing from ahead. They're going to, you know, going to tee off on the quarterback and be able to blitz and rush. I think those fourth quarters are going to see some turnovers and touchdowns. Uh, this is, however, one. The Rams I wasn't comfortable taking very high. The Chargers are one that I think is going to be a top five defense almost for certain. Uh, they have they have tremendous coaching. They have tremendous players. They're in a division, I think, that lends itself, you know, with the exception of the Chiefs. Both the Broncos and Raiders are going to be uh, really juicy matchups for this Chargers defense. This is one I feel comfortable with taking in the 15th round or so. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Chargers defense? Love the Chargers defense. Uh, as a side note, has any family made more money wearing sweatpants than the family Bosa? <laughs> Those guys get paid millions of dollars yeah, to, stand it's unfortunate. to stand on sidelines wearing sweatpants. Uh, both Nick and Joey. Uh, I don't mean to make light of their injury history, but it's uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I love the Charger defense. Owned them last year. I think I even owned them the year before that. Mostly I stream defenses. If I end up with the Chargers, I'm not streaming defenses. I don't care who they're playing. I'm going to plug in the Chargers. I'm going to feel great about it. It's going to be one less thing I'm going to have to think about on a weekly basis. What Who do I need to plug in? What matchup do I need to take advantage of? Um, it lightens your workload is what I like to say if you can end up with a, a team like the Chargers. Don't reach for them. Again, depth, wide receiver, running back, quarterback is much more important than getting a defense. But if it falls to you and you get the Chargers, uh, feel like feel a million. Good. Yeah, feel like a million. Look, bucks. They, they start the season at home against the Colts uh, a couple months ago. I would have said that's a terrible matchup. Now, we don't know if Andrew Luck's going to play in that game. If he doesn't, that's one of the best matchups of any defense uh, of the entire season. And their second game is at Detroit. It hasn't necessarily been a great offense in the past. Uh, their third week, they, they host the Texans. That's when you may think about having to pick up another defense. But at least for those first two weeks, assuming that Andrew Luck's at least on 100%, uh, you can definitely start them at home against the Colts. And, of course, at Detroit, as a very good matchup as well. So um, both these teams, I mean, that, that, was, that was 45 minutes or so of great fantasy talk. There's, uh, you know, 10-plus guys combining these teams that are draftable that will be stashed in rosters. I mean, as we mentioned, we're, we're very spoiled here in L.A., Chris, uh, with both these teams potentially uh, being Super Bowl contenders. So uh, really fun episode. We'll talk more fantasy as the season goes on, some guys that we like throughout the season, uh, th- some guys that we like throughout the draft season. My big draft, as I mentioned, is coming up here next Saturday. Excited to go to Scottsdale. So I'll have that one in my back pocket. Uh, any last thoughts here on either of these two teams, Chris, in terms of fantasy? Uh, just an overall, what a time to be alive in Los Angeles and a sports fan. Lakers, Clippers, Chargers, Rams, Dodgers. I mean, even yes, the Angels. Football it, over seven. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's amazing. Now, if we could just legalize gambling in California, my head would explode. All right, um, that's going to take a few more years. We'll, we'll be on an uh, episode like 900 by the time we <laughs> get that around. So, um, all right. Well, that was a, that was a great episode. If you have any particular fancy questions you want to ask either Chris or I on Twitter, smaxwell seven one three for me at Lumandigo Rock for Chris for the guys at Stag Capital. I'm Sam Maxwell. Enjoy fancy football drafting season, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.